A friend in need is a friend indeed, goes the old saying, but today we're going to take a look at two stories that push that to the test. First off, do you have a friend you love so much that if they were being haunted by a potato-nosed demon, you would wish that demon to come to your house? I know it's super convoluted, bro. I know it's super convoluted. Just roll with it. And then we meet a man who is out fossil hunting in the middle of nowhere when he is waylaid by a group of aliens and taken aboard their spacecraft. And it is on this spacecraft where he will face the ultimate test. What type of man is he? Is he a coward? Or is he a man who's willing to fight back against the alien interlopers? Today on the Season 18 opener of Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Garvin, I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. This is the start of Season 18. Can you believe it? Season 18 of Dead Rabbit Radio, this is the start. We're getting to the four-year anniversary of Dead Rabbit Radio. So many shows, so many wonderful memories, all of these great stories. The future of Dead Rabbit Radio is... We got some cool stuff coming up this season, not just story-wise, but some cool other projects, some cool other things that are going on. But the podcast will always remain the flagship of the Dead Rabbit Radio Empire, and the Dead Rabbit Radio Empire would be nothing without you guys. You specifically, not, not anyone else listening to it, just you right now listening to this podcast, you all you guys, you guys are the linchpin of the Dead Rabbit Radio Empire, so thank you so much for that. We're going to watch it explode this year, 100%. And someone who's someone who's currently building the explosives for this explosive season is one of our newest Patreon supporters coming into Dead Rabbit Command. Don't shake your hands because they're covered with gunpowder. Give it up for Elizabeth Monroe. Woo! Clapping. We're all blowing up. She's clapping. She's blowing herself up, too. I don't know where I don't know where any of this is going. Elizabeth Monroe, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. You guys can't support the Patreon, or if you don't want me to implicate you in international terrorism, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, 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 really helps out a lot. Elizabeth, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. Let's take that car cover off of it. We haven't used this thing in about two weeks. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're driving all the way out. To a small suburb in America. <laughs> Elizabeth, stop the car right here. We're parked outside of this house. It's a nondescript house, right? It looks like everyone else's house. The reason why we're outside this house is recently someone online going by the name of Born Confused posted this thing. They titled this little post, I don't know how to help my friend. They're looking for advice on this situation. So Jerry has a friend named Chris. And this whole story's happened super recently. We're talking the week of March 28th, 2022. And Chris has been complaining to Jerry, Hey, dude, oh man, I don't know how your week's been going. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how everything's been going in your life. But recently, I feel like I'm being watched. I feel like when I'm in my house, there is something else in the house watching everything I do. And I do, <laughs> I do a lot of weird stuff, so I'm a little concerned. I can no longer watch all that furry porn. But I, I don't know if you watch furry porn. I just threw that in there. Okay, don't come after me, Chris. But anyway, so Chris says, listen, I always feel like I'm being watched in my house. And then what's just recently happened, and that, that's been going on for weeks. But what's recently happened back on the week of March 26th 
I start to get sick. I'm like, oh, man, I don't feel good. <laughs> Cheer me up some furry porn. He starts feeling sick, and he doesn't know what to do about that. And then he calls up Jerry one night and says, "Hey, you want to go? <laughs> you want to go hang out? I feel super sick, but you know, let's spread the let's spread this illness, this mysterious illness." He calls up Jerry and says, "Hey, you want to go hang out? I just kind of need to get out of this house." So as as Chris is getting ready to go hang out with Jerry. He's kind of moving. We all do this, right? We move from room to room as we're getting stuff ready. And the the living room light is on. Chris was hanging out in the living room previous to this. And he gets off the phone with Jerry and goes, oh, I need to go get ready to go out. So he goes into his bedroom and he's kind of like packing some stuff up, getting like his wallet, his watch, whatever it is. And when he comes back out into the living room, the lights are off in the living room. And he's like, oh, uh, okay. And he just figures, I must have shut it off. You know, I'm not feeling that great. I must have shut it off and forgotten about it. So he walks over. He turns back on the living room light, goes back into the bedroom to finish getting ready. And when he comes back out to the living room, the light's off. Now, the first time you could think, you know, I might have forgotten. I might have forgotten. I might have forgotten I'm Batman and I just sit around in the dark living room all the time. I might have shut the light off and not been aware of that. But the second time, obviously, right? Like, it's not a mistake. The second time, you're like, I know for sure I just turned that light on because I just had this internal monologue about this whole thing. Something is shutting my light off. This time, though, when he goes to turn the light back on, when he flicks that switch, the light bulb explodes. And in a split second, when that flash of light illuminates the dark living room, He sees, standing in the darkness, illuminated for just a split second, a shape. What he describes is, I don't know if this you could classify this as an alien or a ghost or a demon, because it's all over the place. First off, it's five feet four inches tall, but with really broad shoulders. Like, if you were walking around in your house and you turned the corner and there was someone who was five foot four and they had, like, tiny shoulders, you could probably just, like, tackle them. But like Jason, I hope you don't have kids. I hope you don't have kids walking around your house. I'm all picking them up. I'm like, take that alien. They're like, ah. No, I mean, it would be scarier, right? If if you had the choice between fighting a tiny guy in your house, if they had broad shoulders or not, right? They have tiny hips. They have tiny little shoulders and tiny hips. I'm like, oh no, I don't know if I'm supposed to tackle this person. It's a tiny little dude with really broad shoulders, long white hair. Coming out of its head is just standing there in the darkness. It had its eye. He described it as having a human face. It's interesting. Chris said that this had a human face, but then detailed a bunch of stuff that's inhuman. One, the eyes were completely white, and the nose looked like a potato. Potato coming out of the face. I'm assuming. I'm assuming it wasn't like potato colored. I just maybe like a big lumpy nose, like a Squidward nose. And then, this is an odd detail. Not like everything else makes sense, but its teeth are described, because it gets a real close look at this thing. The teeth are described as, I had to look this up on YouTube. I was like, what? The teeth of this little potato-nosed monster man, it had teeth that looked like, quote, Esther's, this is so weird, quote, Esther's teeth. Let me finish the sentence real quick. Who's Esther? Let me finish the sentence here real quick. I don't know why it took such a long pause. They look like, quote, Esther's teeth from the movie Orphan. 
Now, if you've seen the movie Orphan, you're probably upset that I reminded you of it. You're like, oh, man, I thought I was hoping I'd never hear the name of that movie again. Orphan is the movie. I'm going to spoil it for you. It's about this this mom and this dad. They adopt this young girl, this nine-year-old girl from some Bulgarian orphanage. And the girl's trying to bang the dad. (laughs) Now, this is a mainstream release, right? I didn't download this on a torrent or something like this. This was a mainstream release. Don't judge me. They adopted this nine-year-old daughter, and she's trying to sleep with the dad, and I think she's trying to kill the mom. She keeps trying to, like, push the mom off of balconies and stuff like that. (laughs) The whole house is nothing but balconies. I don't remember it, but I do remember a little bit of it because I had to look this scene up on YouTube. It turns out that it's not a nine-year-old girl. It turns out that it's a 34-year-old woman who has a disease that makes her look like a nine-year-old girl, which is not any less disturbing, really. But part, like, so I'm watching this clip on YouTube, and it was explaining, it was so weird, I typed in Esther's Teeth. I think that's what I put in, I typed in Esther's Teeth Orphan, looked it up on YouTube, and it showed the exact scene where it turns out when she's not really nine years old, she had fake nine-year-old teeth. She had, like, these... I don't know where she got these grills made. She went to Nelly. She has these grills that it says nine years, nine years old in diamonds on gold teeth. She's like, that's how old I am. She has fake teeth, and she takes them out. So apparently, if you're 34 years old and you live in Bulgaria, your teeth are just completely busted up. But if you're nine years old, you have perfect teeth. She takes nine years. Now the thing about nine year olds have way worse teeth than 34 year olds. But anyways, she takes out her. Te- you're like, she's getting back to the alien story, dude. <laughs> We're totally in suspense. This potato knows the demon or whatever's in this guy's house. Hold on. Let me finish talking about a movie that came out in 2007 that I haven't seen since 2009. Esther's teeth are basically all busted up. Like teeth are like kind of crooked and stuff like that. They're not remarkable. If you asked me. If you ask me, hey, Jason, what do you remember about the movie Orphan? The last thing would be her teeth. I'd be like, oh, the movie about the nine-year-old who's trying to bang the dad, but it turns out she's really 34 and it had an awful lot of balconies in that house. wouldn't remember the teeth. But anyways, so this potato-nosed monster man has Esther's teeth from Orphan. So basically just messed up teeth. And... Remember, this all happens in a flash. Is all he's able to take in all this information. That light bulb explodes. The dark room is illuminated, and he's like, "Ah!" And he sees this whole thing. Right. This is where I ask you, what would you do in this situation? Right. He, he, Chris goes. Chris goes. Okay, I saw a goblin in the corner of my room, and now it's dark. I'm gonna go get a new light bulb for my living room. That's weird, right? But anyway, so Chris goes and he gets a new light bulb and he screws it in and then he turns the light on and he's shocked, shocked that when he turns the light, right, this this has been going on for a couple minutes now, he turns the light back on and he's shocked the little creature is once again illuminated standing in his living room. So now he runs out of his house. So he's now established this creature is in his house. And then a couple days later, this actually happened on March 31st. He is back in his house, right? Because I would leave my house if there was a goblin. I've seen ghosts and stuff in my house. I saw that one time, that murdered dude sitting on my couch. He's all purple and bloated. I'll put that episode in the show notes. I spent too much time talking about Orphan. I can't go into that story. But, um, you know, I've seen ghosts and stuff in my house. But it'd be different if it was like a goblin or an alien or whatever the th- whatever this thing is kind of hanging out in the corner of my house. I'd be like, no, nah, I'm out, bro. He comes back home. I, I have to come back home eventually, right? But he comes back home eventually as well. And he's like tippity-tappity on his computer, typing some stuff in. And this is just before bed. He's trying to get some work done. 
before he goes to bed. And his computer starts to kind of go haywire and doing all that stuff. And then it gets the blue screen of death. His computer hits that blue screen and he's like, damn it, I just wanted to get this work done. But the, usually when the screen goes blue, it automatically restarts itself. And then you can make sure all your files are saved and all that stuff. And he's sitting there and he's looking at this blue screen on his computer and he's like, whatever. And he gets up and he kind of starts pacing around his living room. Waiting for the computer to reboot and it doesn't. It's not doing it. So he walks over there to shut it off. And as he's walking back over to shut off his computer right in front of his face. Like appearing just inches from his face is this creature. Like, face-to-face, this little five-foot-three monstrosity, smiling with them orphan teeth. And he freaks out, right? Now, this had no trickery of the light, right? This had no... You could say as a skeptic, oh, you know, maybe turning the light on and off. This trick of the light. And maybe the light bulb exploding was a trick of the light. Maybe there's still... Maybe he never replaced that light bulb. It's all trick of the light. But now when you're, like, walking around, there's no changes to the light. You're walking towards a computer and then appearing right in front of you is this creature that's terrifying. That is... That, again, is another terrifying thing. When I'm sitting there and I look and I see a ghost... That's always, I've seen ghosts before, it's always, it's always scary, but there's something non-corporeal about them. There's something that, because they don't have a physical presence, you go, this little dude can't hurt me, right? But what's appearing here seems to be taking up 3D space. This thing seems to be some sort of physical entity. So he bounces out of the house. Chris leaves the house. Now, what's interesting about this story I mean, everything, right? The little guy of hearing all of the electronics not working, all of this physical damage like busting the light bulb. That's really interesting from a paranormal slant. Messing with the computer is very interesting from a paranormal slant. But what I find interesting is the person who's telling this story is not Chris. It's Jerry. Jerry is the one, remember, who posted this saying, I don't know how to help my friend. And Jerry goes, listen, my friend's going through this. It's really messing with their head. How can I protect them? They go, even if I had to transfer whatever this is, because again, we don't know if it's an alien or a demon. The, The reason why I keep defaulting to alien is because of the height, right? Generally like five foot four, four feet, nine, whatever. That's kind of the gray alien height. So that's why I kind of keep defaulting to that. I don't know why. It doesn't have really any of the other characteristics of a gray alien. Gray aliens tend to have black eyes. They tend to have big heads. They tend not to be super broad-shouldered. So could also be a demon. It doesn't sound like a ghost, though. It doesn't sound like a ghost. So we have all that. We have all that that stuff. What is? What are we actually facing? But remember, the point of this story being posted was... Jerry wants to help out their friend. Jerry is asking, is there anything that I can do? Now, what? this was a really interesting story for me to look at because I've had a lot of personal paranormal encounters throughout my life, and I can't recall a time, I could be mistaken by this, but I can't recall a time that a close friend of mine was experiencing some sort of paranormal phenomenon that they needed me to help with. They probably thought I would just make things worse. So it was interesting to read the story from the point of view of the friend saying, my buddy's going through this. How can I help? 
Because normally, either I'm seeking this stuff out as a ghost hunter, I've been doing it for 30 some odd years, or that it was already circulating around me. I'm trying to think of a time, and I couldn't really think of a time that one of my friends was like, hey, I need your help. So that in and of itself was interesting. But also, I have to say this, I, 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 <laughs> just in case you're wondering, Jerry, if you're listening to this episode... I don't have any tips for you. I mean, generally when I see people online posting about problems they're having, I always recommend talking to whoever their spiritual advisor is. So I always say that. Go talk to whatever spiritual community you belong to. Speak to their priest or rabbi or whatever. But then also there's Jerry ends this, this post in a very interesting way, which almost makes me think there's another motive here. Almost makes me think... They don't just want to help their friend. Maybe they do, but (laughs) this is a conspiracy theory podcast, so even you, Jerry, are worthy of a conspiracy. It ends saying, listen, I want to help out my buddy Chris so badly. I want to get this little potato-nosed monster out of his house so badly. Is there any way to help? And I would even be willing to have this entity transferred to me. I would rather my house be haunted than Chris's house be haunted. Is there any way that we can do this? <laughs> they literally typed eyes shift from side to side. I'm very suspect of that. I'm very suspect of that. And this is why. Again, conspiracy theory podcast. Don't sue me, Jerry. But I, there is a lot of people. There are a lot of people who want to experience paranormal phenomenon. And they can't. Or they haven't. Or both. Right? There's a lot of people who really want to experience this stuff. Now, I'm wondering if Jerry really is trying to save Chris from this potato-nosed monster, or if they want to experience it themselves. I'm wondering if Jerry is jealous of Chris. They're at home, they're flicking their lights on and off, on and off, hoping to see this little man. They've watched Orphan for the seventh time that day. They're like, oh, memories. If only you were in my house, creepy monster man. I'm wondering if that's part of it. I'm wondering if that's part of it. Now, again, I'm a conspiracy theorist. And I gotta say this. This story's just starting off, right? I can understand. Like, we don't know how this is going to go. We don't know how this story's going to progress. So, imagine if... This is like one of, the, this is one of those murder demons, right? That possesses you, and the next thing you know, you're walking through the neighborhood naked, covered in blood, and you're, like, ripping dogs apart with your bare hands and things like that. True story. That actually happened. I'll put that episode in the show notes. Um, Yeah, it'd be one thing, like, if someone was like, hey, dude, there's this little ghost monster alien walking around with busted up teeth in my house. And it's been going on for, like, months, and it, like, knocks over a couple pieces of jewelry every so often and whispers in my ear when I'm sleeping. I might be willing to take that dude on because his track... First, I don't own any jewelry, right? And I'm a deep sleeper. And his track record, he's been around for months. All he's doing is just kind of being annoying. I might say, ah, you send that guy my way. But if the ghost, if whatever this is, if it's just... We don't even know what it is. And this guy's like, let it come to my house. Like, you have to have... You want to know what it's doing. Right? You don't want to invite a murder demon in your house. We don't know if this is like a lovable chap who just hates light bulbs. I guess if he's black, as if he's exploding light bulbs above your head, he's not E.T. That's already a little dangerous. I just thought that was a little irresponsible. <laughs> Here's the thing. If it's a murder demon, well, let it possess your friend first. But yeah, I would be willing to take on a ghost, like a friendly ghost, or dude, like one of those sexy Victorian ghosts, and like their big old dresses and stuff like that, little petticoat, holding a little umbrella, like floating through the house. Send, send, those, send those babes my way. But I wouldn't 
be super quick to jump on just like a first time haunting. Like, you know what I mean? Does this make, does any of this make sense? I think it does. I think it does. Send me the ghosts that we know what they do. Don't send me a ghost that's just, or what I see. I keep saying, we don't even know what this is. Super creepy. Super creepy, like not even being able to categorize it makes it terrifying. Don't invite this stuff to your house is what I'm saying, Jerry. <laughs> Let it destroy your friend's life. And I mean, if you can stop it before that, that, that's preferable, right? But if you can't, don't invite it into your life. That's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> I know I started this off by talking about helping your friends out and stuff like that, but there's a limit. That my, my, my limit is murder demon, right? I'd be willing to give you a couple bucks. I'd be willing to, you know, help you change the tire house it for you. But my, I have, I have a pretty hard limit. It involves murder demons. We don't know what this guy is. I wish Chris and Jerry the best. I, I Maybe Jerry doesn't have any ulterior motive and wants to experience the paranormal for themselves. Maybe they truly want their friend to not be scared anymore. Who knows? But we'll keep an eye on this. If all of a sudden they start posting in gibberish and we see a rash of dog-ripping incidents, we will know who did it. <laughs> Radio covered it first. Um, but yeah, little monster potato-nosed man with orphan teeth floating around in this guy's living room. Let it, let it flow around his living room, Jerry. Don't ask for too much trouble. That story went on way longer than I thought it would, but we are just getting started with season 18. So Elizabeth Monroe, let's toss you the keys to the Carboner Copter. Grab those. We're leaving behind. <laughs> These two people are getting possessed. Ah, their noses are swelling up to become potatoes. We're leaving them behind. I'm sure everything will be a-okay. We're leaving those guys behind. We're headed all the way out to Australia. <laughs> Specifically, we're headed to South Australia, to a place known as Sturt's Stony Desert. It's a sunny afternoon in January 1974, and a young man named Ben is driving his car across the desert. I don't know, maybe there was a road, right? I don't know. I didn't check Google Maps, but he's driving it through this area. And Ben, he's 38 years old. He's driving through this region. He's out with this girl. He's out with the, he's on, taking this girl out on a date. He's like, hey, Betty, let, I don't know exactly what her name was, but hey, Betty, let's go drive out to Sturt Stony Desert. I got a hobby. I find fossils in the middle of nowhere. Now, I don't know if this was their first, <laughs> I don't know if this was their first date or their third date or they'd been dating for a long time, but I don't know, I don't know how many dates you have to have before you're willing to go into a remote region looking for bones of things. Cause I'd be afraid, I'd be afraid I was going to become part of their fossil collection. But anyways, apparently she trusts this dude. Ben drives all the way out there and it's time to go fossil hunting. Now, he says, listen, lady, fossil hunting is a fantastic activity for old and even older people. Kids find it super boring. But we're going to walk around and we're just going to look for bones. We're going to find like flip over little rocks and it'll be like a little trilobite going, oh, like you caught him right when he died. His little his his little fin is up to his mouth. And then we flip over a big rock and it's a T-Rex. It's a giant T-Rex underneath this rock. We're just going to walk around. And flip rocks over and just like kick dust, kick dust. Maybe he has one of those little brooms to, to brush stuff off and he finds like a skull. I don't know. Anyways, this dude, he brings his date out to this fossil area. I guess there's a bunch of fossils here. And he goes, let's do this. But 
This is your. This is this is what he actually said. This is your first time out here. I don't want you to get lost. <laughs> I just imagine this car sitting in this desert that you can see for miles in any direction, and he's like, "Stay here," because you this possibility that you can't see more than two hundred yards in front of you. He leaves her. He leaves her out of the car and begins walking around looking for fossils. So again, terrible, whatever date they're on, this is the worst date ever. So he walks about two kilometers away, which doesn't, it's really not that far. It sounds far, but it's only like a a mile and a half. So he could probably turn around and like wave to her. And she'd be like, she'd be like, I'm back, I'm super bored. I don't even have a smartphone. And he's like, stay there. You might get lost. And he's like walking and he's looking for fossils. Maybe he found some, right? Picking up a rock, flips it over, a little trilobite. Ah. And he suddenly sees, just really appear out of nowhere. Again, there, it'd be hard to sneak up on someone in this region. All of a sudden, he sees these two dudes walking towards him. Now, both of these guys were only about three and a half feet tall. Other than that, they look normal. Well, okay, let me back up there. Other than that, and the back, their face looked totally normal. No potatoes anywhere on their facial features. They had arms and legs. They're wearing these silver suits. But the back of their heads were elongated. So they didn't have the typical giant gray alien dome, but the back of the head went whoop, just like kind of popped out, right? These guys, so that's weird, right? Silver suits. Big old heads, tiny people. So yeah, not necessarily human looking. Almost sounds like a alien human hybrid. But anyways, these two dudes are walking up to him and he kind of takes them off guard because it's not like he'd be the only person looking for fossils out here, but they were like, bam, right there. He didn't really see him approaching in the distance. And they're talking to each other and they start talking to him. But the problem is he goes, they were speaking so quickly, I couldn't understand them. It's interesting, it doesn't specifically say they were speaking a different language, but they were speaking so quickly, he didn't know what they were saying. And they're looking at him, and they're talking to each other, and they're talking to him, and he's like, what is going on? And then they kind of start beckoning him to follow them. And they turn around, they walk a couple feet, and then turn back and kind of wave their hands. Come here, come here. But they wouldn't say that, right? He's not a cat, he's not a house cat. They leave out a little bit of milk for him. They They leave out a tasty fossil for him. So he begins to walk with these guys, and he walks for a short distance, and then he looks. He sees this massive silver ship just sitting there. He said it looked like a hot dog bun. It wasn't split down the middle, but it just looked like a big old bun, big long bun. And and what he couldn't figure out, this was about 26 feet long. What Again, what he couldn't figure out was, how did I not see that? How <laughs> did I not see that from the car? Right, I'm only a mile and a half away from the car. How did I not see that? Definitely, how did I not see that? How did these guys get the drop on me? He has no idea what's going on. At this point, though, unlike the little potato-nosed demon in the first story, you can classify this story easily as alien. Right? These guys don't have a little Casper feet. They're not floating around. This is definitely an alien story. And it's 1974. He's well aware of all of the alien flying saucer stuff. He knows exactly what he's looking at. He though, is frightened of what will happen if he doesn't do what they say. He's definitely not an alien aficionado. This guy cares more about the past than the future. He's looking for fossils, not laser guns. 
Actually, I'm sure there are a lot of people who like history who would love to be on a UFO. But this whole time, he constantly is second-guessing whether or not he should walk with these little people. Now he's second-guessing, should I get on the ship? But he's afraid of what happens if he doesn't. So he walks on board of this ship, and he the first thing he realizes is once he's on... This is one of these details that I really love about these stories, right? He gets on the ship. He said it was, from the outside, it was 26 feet long and 6 feet wide. But once he gets inside, the vessel's massive. The outside dimensions don't truly give the scope of what it is inside. At this point, this is this is interdimensional technology. He's looking around and he goes, "This where I'm at is way bigger in the interior than 26 by 6 feet. Just another just fascinating way that these vessels are. So he's walking around and he sees a bunch more of these little alien people. But what was interesting is all of the other people, the two people who picked him up are these two dudes. But when he gets on the ship, they're all female. All the other members of this crew are female. With the big old heads and the tiny little bodies and the silver suits. And they're walking around. And one of these women come up and they hand him a drink. Now he says specifically, I was too scared to not drink it. But you're looking at this concoction that was... It's not of this earth. He takes a drink of it. Because he's afraid of what will happen if he doesn't. One of the interesting connections between UFO lore and fairy lore, fae folk lore, is that you're never supposed to eat or drink any of the food that the fairies gave you. If you did that, you would never be able to leave their kingdom. And I think that's something that a lot of kids hear from those old fairy tales, and that might have been something that was going through Ben's head when he was given this drink. I mean, at the very least, I mean, maybe you won't be trapped in a fairy circle, but it could just be poisonous, right? It could just be toxic. You're in a place not from your planet. This little woman's handing you a drink, but he drinks it. Immediately passes out. When he comes to, he's just laying on the floor. He's laying on the metal floor of this UFO. They never never got him to a bed or anything like that. He's just laying on the floor. And the two dudes who found him in the desert are still standing next to him. But... They're not guarding him. They actually seem to be ignoring him. Ben sits up and he looks around and he's looking at all these other humanoids on the ship, all the little females walking around, and he gets the sense that he is no longer welcome there. He gets the sense that he failed some sort of test Some sort of analysis was done on him, and he was not suitable for their purposes. That was the feeling he got as he's getting off the floor. He was rejected for some reason. We covered a story like that at the end of Season 17 as well. And that story we do see, it's not super common, but we do see it in UFO lore where people almost get abducted and the aliens go, well, you don't meet our requirements, and they leave them there. And normally, the people who go through that, they feel kind of bad. I mean, <laughs> it's one thing to get rejected by, like, a girl you really like. But imagine if uh, imagine if an alien civilization friend-zoned you. It would be even worse. 
But Ben, he's getting up off the ground, and the two soldiers, the two guards, whatever they were, the two explorers who picked him up in the first place, they seem to just kind of be ignoring him. And the rest of the crew seems to be ignoring him, and he just has this feeling that he failed one of their tests, and they're letting him go. It's interesting, he instinctively knows where the exit of the ship is. And it's just a wall that in a second a door is going to materialize, and he'll be able to walk outside of the ship. He gets up. He begins walking towards the exit, and he stops, because he sees something that turns this story completely on its head. Everything I've said right now, very, very interesting UFO story. A man getting abducted and failing a test. I, I, like I said, we covered that at the end of the last season. I find that very interesting because we have to ask, what are the tests? What are the reasons why people are getting abducted, and some do and some don't? Some seem to have kind encounters with aliens. Some people go missing forever. And so just on the story that I've told you so far is fascinating in and of itself. But as Ben is leaving the ship, it goes from being a fascinating exploration of UFO human contact to downright terrifying. Ben turns right before he gets to the wall of the ship where the exit will be. And he looks and there's a cage there. He sees a cage and inside this cage are two human girls. Based on his estimates, one of them is nine and one of them is around 12 years old. He says they're 100% human. They're wearing human clothing. They have human features. They're not hybrids or anything like that. And he's staring at them and they are standing in this cage in some sort of trance. He's looking at them. They're staring past him. Their eyes completely glazed over. They are prisoners. As he's staring at these girls, as he's trying to process what he's looking at, the wall of the ship opens up. And he's just a few steps away from stepping out of this vehicle back onto the dry soil of Australia. He's looking at these two young girls. And he turns and he steps off that ship. And he is now standing in an empty desert. The ship is gone. The aliens are gone. The girls are gone. And Ben walks back to his car, where the girl that he had driven out there tells him very quickly he had been gone for an hour and a half longer than he should have been. Like, not not including the walk time. He walked out to that area to find him. But an hour and a half had passed since the two men showed up. He was on the vehicle, passed out, and now he's back in the desert. You have to want... There's so many ways to wrap up the end of this story. One, when I thought about this story, what would you do? Not if you were in the cage, right? You're like, oh, I'd be catatonic. Uh, No, what would you do if you got abducted by aliens? Well, let's even leave the aliens out of this. Let's say you're walking down the street one night and you saw a van drive by. You see a kid get kidnapped and you have the power to save them. Would you do it? 
Like if I was like walking by and some guy's like, get in here, little girl. And, and he grabs, <laughs> I'm laughing. Just, I just imagine this is a totally cartoonish guy. He's like, has like a, a snidely whiplash outfit on. I'm walking down the street. I'm drinking my morning coffee. And this dude jumps out and goes, come here, little girl. And he grabs a little girl and I have the power. I'm like, stop, evildoer. And I smash his car. And he's like, oh no, I two more payments and that car was paid off. And I'm able to save the little girl. Yeah, totally. Of course I would do that, right? If I was walking down the street and I saw like a bunch of like gangsters and they're like, they're not cartoon villains. They're actual villains. They like, they're known to run this area and kill all witnesses and they're grabbing a little girl. I'm like, I turn around and walk the other way. I think it's so funny. I constantly talk about on this show how I don't, I do not mess with organized crime at all. I'm always like, whatever, because it's totally not worth it. Right? I know that probably people are probably like, you coward. But here's the thing. I, I'm not going to get into the whole organized crime thing, but say on a UFO, right? Like, it'd be one thing if you saw like a cryptid coming out of the bushes and grabbing a singular girl. You're like karate chopping, you're karate chopping the chupacabra, kicking it in the nuts. But when it's a, if you're on a UFO. <laughs> on topic here. If you're on a UFO and you saw a bunch of girls or two girls trapped, you can't do anything about that. Like, what are you going to do? You turn around. First off, you just, they just knocked you unconscious, right? What are you going to do? Like, I feel really bad for this guy. I feel bad for the girls as well, but I feel bad for this guy because he had to spend the rest of his life dealing with this. He might even still be alive. I don't know. The you know, story took place in 1974, but it's like, I, I, what are you going to, what are you realistically going to do? Are you going to turn around and go, let the girls go? And then you start fighting the aliens. Like, sure, they're three feet tall. Like, you could pick up a couple of them. You could probably take a couple of these dudes. But <laughs> they aren't an interdimensional spacecraft. You don't even know the scope of their technology. Could you free these girls? I would... Once again, putting my cowardice on full display. I don't think it's cowardice. I think it's just being logical. If I saw two girls kidnapped by aliens, I'd be like, mm, I hope I hope it's some of the good alien kidnapping. I hope it's none of the creepy alien kidnapping. And then I jump out of the ship. Wee! And I land. <laughs> I guess I don't have to rub it in. I'm having fun. As they jump out of the ship, we They have an inflatable slide as you go out of their interdimensional vehicle. I wouldn't be like doing a touchdown dance when I got outside. In your face, little girls. But, um, yeah, what would you do? Like, I actually feel bad for this dude. Because to walk past kidnapped kids, which is really what this is, right? These kids got kidnapped, and you're walking past them, and you can't save them. That's utterly terrifying. <laughs> as many jokes as I told during that whole thing and again like there's just you at a certain point you have to be logical and i'm wondering if you had someone who was less logical and more like oh you, you know i'm gonna save these girls they totally get toasted by these aliens and then you'd have three missing people instead of just two that girl would be back at the car and be like uh where did my boyfriend go and then how would she actually <laughs> has the car keys his car keys are in the ninth dimension she's like oh no i have to walk home what's going on it sucks. But, you know, so you have all that. You have all that. I feel bad for the dude. I feel bad for the girls. I, that should go without saying, but I feel bad for the dude because how do you walk past kidnapped children and know you're powerless to save them? It's not like you could even go home and call the cops and the cops could go and, like, rescue the kids because the aliens took them. 
I guess you could re- I guess you could report the kids missing so the parents could find it. Maybe these kids were dropped back off at their parents' house. I don't know. But it's <laughs> they just spent a couple hours in a cage with a, under a trance. It's still going to be traumatizing. Absolutely fascinating phenomenon. The story of a young man walking out to a desert. It really has all the hallmarks of a missing person mystery, right? This man was abducted, disappeared in the wilderness of Australia, and came back. And instead of bringing a story of alien brotherhood and cosmic communication, he brings back a story of missing children. Two young girls trapped aboard an alien craft. Locked behind metal bars. Their minds broken. How many people from Earth yearly end up in the clutches of alien hands? And they cannot hope for escape. The only thing you can hope for is that your psyche becomes so shattered. That your brain becomes so broken you cannot imagine the torments that await you. The only thing you can hope for is that you are catatonic. So you cannot truly comprehend what the end of your life will be like at the hands of these alien madmen. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Welcome back, guys. Have a good one. I'll see you tomorrow.